0: start a new series tonight it's going to go um for all of this term so it's going to go for the next eight or so weeks we're going to have a break in the month of october and then we're going to pick it up again in november to wrap it up we're going to do it at every small group level uh it's, we're going to have books next week available for reflection and for discussing in your groups um it's called called so it's super simple, uh, but, and we're talking all about people's calling. So if you're not in a group yet, can I encourage you to get in one for this term, do this journey together. I love our, I've got a guys group, and even though we have to meet at 6.30 in the morning so that we can meet before we all go to work, it's so worth it, and uh, so much great stuff comes from it, and so I encourage every person, find a group, there's so many of them, start a group. Talk about the content over meals and in your flats and in your homes um, because God's going to do something awesome in this series. I love talking about callings. I love talking about purpose. It's like, it's the thing that gets me excited Um, more than most other things. In fact, it's probably like the most common question that Katie and I would get asked as pastors is like, how do I know my calling or how do I know my purpose? It seems to sit deep for us that this is something we want to know. And I've seen like people come alive when they get it. And I can sort of see the, the drudgery of life when you don't get it. And it's actually part of how God wants us to come alive is getting a sense of purpose. In fact, when I first uh, started my relationship with Jesus as a teenager, that's one of the things I felt that I got and you know made cause me to come to life I was I was a teenager didn't know what I wanted to do with my life I hadn't grown up in church uh it was all you know I'd go to careers day and career expo and these different things and i just look at all the options and just think blah like just no, none of it really like did it for me and but when I met Jesus I felt like it was like, oh, this new purpose. All of a sudden, there's something to live for. There's, some, there's something to learn about. I mean, for me, I was like, I don't know what to do about this. But since I've got, lo- I've got a lot of lost time to make up for, I didn't have Sunday school. And going to church in our family, I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Bible college when I left school. And so set a good foundation for my life. I didn't know that God would trick me uh, into ministry like this. But I'm stoked I'm here. And, and for every one of us, that God wants us to understand our calling. He wants us to live in our calling. He wants us to live with that sense of purpose. And you might be here thinking, that feels so far away from your reality right now. I'm believing over these next 8 to 12 weeks, that is going to change for you. As we, You know, we don't, most of us don't need another message. We don't need some special content. We need time with the Lord we need time with people, we need a revelation, we need the things that are said, we need to take them to God and have them go deep into us. So I hope we can go deep over these, these next few weeks and, and see God do something awesome. Maybe some of you, it's not that you haven't had it, it's that you feel like you lost it. You don't know where it fell out of your pocket or, you know, where it's gone, but somewhere along the line, the sort of the fires of purpose and calling dimmed and have cooled off. I believe even God's just going to, you know, breathe fresh wind over those things and, and help you see that it's not over, that there is a calling and callings for every single one of us. You know, our vision as a church is to be a people who are pursuing the way of Jesus and playing our part in his story. And if you've been a part of this church for a little while, you'd know that pretty much the first half of the year, has, we've been talking about how do we pursue the way of Jesus. We've been talking about going deeper with Jesus, our spiritual practices, getting our relationship sorted with God. But this sort of next part of the year, we're flipping the coin to this other half of it. There is a part for us to play. And we are come alive when we're playing that part. Matthew 22, verse 14. This is sort of like the verse over the entire series. It says this For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. There's context to the scripture. It's at the very end of a parable Jesus is telling in Matthew 22, starting in verse, uh, I don't know, maybe verse 1. Let's just guess that. I haven't got it open. Somewhere in there. Uh, Starting in verse one, uh, and it's the parable of the wedding feast, and it's talking about a king who, he wants to put on a wedding feast, and so he invites all of his, like, all of his A-list friends, he's a king, so he invites the celebrities, and the business people, and the politicians, and he invites them all over, but when it comes time for the wedding, everyone's busy, and all the people he invited were busy, oh, sorry, I've got a deal to do, sorry, I've got to travel for work, sorry, I've got to do this, and the king's like, you know, he's a bit annoyed, but he he goes, well, let's just invite anyone who will come then. I don't know if it's like king no mates or like king now like being very charitable, trying to get everyone over for the, for the wedding feast. So there's a famous line, go into the highways and the byways. It's like go to the alleyways, the pubs, the brothels, just invite the homeless, bring them all in for this royal banquet. And they're all in there and the king comes in, but one of them isn't wearing wedding clothes. It's a sort of weird parable. And Jesus says, Why aren't you dressed properly? The king says that Jesus says that, and then he gets the guy thrown out of the wedding. And uh, there's a lot in the parable about how, you know, often the people who God invites first sometimes don't respond to the calling or the obvious people. It sort of could be a parable even about the Israelites and how they sort of turn from God so he's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But that bit about the end where it's like, well, even the one guy gets thrown out for not having the right clothes, and he finishes, for many are called but few are chosen. And I just want to set up these two words because the first word called uh, in the Greek, and this should come on the screen, is kletos. It means to be invited. It's literally like, hey, you over there, come here. That's like called. I'm, I'm calling you over. It's like your name being said. You, you're being called over the loudspeaker. Attention, you know, with Joel please. This is this called idea. And this word is often used from God to humanity. God does the calling. But this chosen word, which is eklikatos, uh, means selection or election. And what it, um, this word is always used in the New Testament, not from God to humanity, but in humanity's response back to God. So he's not saying like, hey, all are called, but only a few are chosen. Like, hey, we've called you all here tonight, but it was only really for you guys. You guys are just rental crowd. You guys are chosen, okay? All are called, but just you guys are chosen. This is all, you're just, you're just here. For, I don't know why you're here, but you're called, but just these guys. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying everyone is called, but only some people respond in such a way to show that they are chosen. Yeah. And so called is God's responsibility, but chosen is our responsibility. It's the way we respond. Met, yeah, I mean, Jesus says, for many are called, but uh, he also says that all are called in other places in the scripture, that Jesus actually died for everyone, that God wishes that no one would perish, but every single one of us would know his love would know the hope, would have relationship with him. That is God's longing for us. But few are chosen because few respond. Few respond. We want to be amongst those few. So as we begin this series, I want you to know that we are all called. That there's no exceptions in this room. There's no stories that disqualify you. There's no family upbringings that disqualify you. There's no sins that disqualify you. You are called. You might not feel it. You might not recognize it. You might feel too young for it or too old for it or too damaged for it. But you are called. Jesus is inviting you into a purposeful life with him. In fact, to be saved is to be called. God doesn't just save you from something. He saves you for something. He's calling you. The word church, it doesn't mean a building, it doesn't mean a time, it doesn't mean the ways we use it, like I'm going to church, that's not a thing. In the scripture, the, church, the word church is a Greek word, it's ecclesia, and it literally means called out. It's like these two words put together, called out, so as the people of God, we are called. It's in the very nature of our identity as his people to be called. That's what baptism was celebrating 10 baptisms last week. That's incredible. That's amazing. And, and that's what baptism is it's like it's a calling out, it's a leaving behind. Something's dying in the waters. I'm dying to sin. I'm dying to the world. I'm dying to my self reliant life. And I'm being called out of these waters by God into the life He always designed for me a life of freedom, a life of liberty, a life that is truly life of joy and peace. And Hope, this is, this is what it means to be Christian. This is what it means to be a follower, is to be called. They are a together package. To get one is to get the other. I love this picture of, of the end. It's a picture in Revelation 17, verse 14. Revelation 17, 14, it says, and it's talking about the lamb. The lamb is a word for Jesus here. They will make war on the lamb. They will rage against Jesus, but Jesus will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. And that's what we want to be, right? We know we are called, but we want to live a sort of life that goes, we're chosen. And we've been faithful with that choosing so we can find ourselves, when we breathe our last, standing with the Lamb who conquers all, going, there's all the ones with the Lamb, the called, the chosen and the faithful. I want to be amongst them, and I want every person that I lead to be amongst them and be stoked to be there, because they weren't just called. They were chosen, and they were faithful with what God had for their lives. We're called, and our callings are multidimensional, the multidimensional, the multifaceted. It's not like a, there's not a silver bullet or a one answer when people go, what's my calling? It's like, there's not one answer for that. It's a it's a conversation. It's a discussion. It's like what well, it depends which angle we look at your calling from. It depends what you mean when you say what my calling is. Because in the scriptures we learn that it's it's multifaceted. We're called to God. We're called heavenward. We're called out of this world. We're called uh, to the world. We're, I know that's confusing. Out of it into it. We're called uh, we're called to our families. We're called uh, to uh, two different ministry gifts. We're called to all of these different things. We're to our work, and so over the series, we're gonna like turn it like a prism, we're gonna look at it from different angles each week and hopefully see new colors and see new things so we can add a fabric to our life of calling and how God understands it and how we understand it in Him. And our calling man, when we get our calling, like I've already said, but it gives us purpose. And we need more purpose in our times. We need more vision in our times. We actually need more things to live for. I I actually think through COVID and through different things, there's been some great purification. There's been some great refining of people's callings. But there's also been some constraining. You know, that isn't of the Lord, where we've let the horizons come closer, we've let the dreams, like, grow dim, and and we've let them change, we've let the circumstances determine what we think is possible for God to do in and with our lives. And so when we get a calling, it, like, gives us this, this sense of purpose, this thing to live for, it gets us up in the morning, and we need that. When I was uh, 17 years old, I was at Bible college, actually. I left school early, went to Bible college. That's how pumped I was to just get in on this whole thing. And uh, a church had been giving me a little bit of money uh, each month from Sydney. And so they'd invited me in the school holidays to, you know, come over and preach at the church. And I didn't know the people at the church. And it was my first time meeting them. And so they'd invited me over. So I, I, I thought, well, I'm going to Aussie. I might as well go visit some of my family in Melbourne. And then I'll fly to to Sydney to get picked up from the airport. And this is, this is 17, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough for that to be pre being able to like look on a phone, it's pre Google, uh, you know, it's, like, it's pre help when you need it. Okay, and so for some reason I was on a domestic flight, they knew the flight I was coming in at, but it landed at the international terminal. And I don't know why, and I didn't realize. And so I go outside to wait. And back then like waiting was actually waiting. I don't know if you remember that. Like you weren't able to do anything else but wait. Like just sat on a bench and you just, you just sat. Yep, you just. Didn't know what the, what's the, I didn't even know what car they drove. I didn't even know what to look out for. Is that them? No idea, is that them? Is that, a lot of cars come in at the airport like pickup zone, you know. First hour was, well, waiting. Second hour was a lot more painful waiting. Third hour, I thought I'd get up to go for a walk. Maybe they're at a different part. Turns out there were no other parts, so I came back and waited some more. Fourth hour, I was beginning to really panic and thinking, now surely they called me, surely they'll be here. Then it got like too late to like uh, realize I'm at another terminal and be like, if I move there now, but what if they come here then? You know, so it's like you're having this whole head trip. If I go there, will they miss me and finally realize it. I better just stay put. Eight hours later, you know, I've scrolled through the phone book trying to remember someone's last name, trying to go on the payphone to call somebody. This is This is a foreign world, okay, to people these days. But... This is me at 17 with, like, no money in Sydney, you know, a poor student. boss cards didn't even work overseas then. It's like a whole different thing, you know. I know, whoa. Uh, I feel like a grandpa telling stories. Uh, <laughs> I walk to school every day with no shoes in the snow, you know. Like, uh... But when we have a calling, when we know we're called we will keep going in seasons where others would give up. When we know we're called, it will help us get through tough seasons. When we know we're called, it will help us overcome struggles. When we know we're called, it will help us wait until God brings about the next thing. And so many people, because we don't understand our calling, we never enter into seasons of fruitfulness in our lives because we're running around trying out a whole bunch of different things because we don't know what God has for us. And in all of that, we're actually circumventing the processes that God wants to do to form us. We're changing job, we're changing work, we're changing town, we're changing church, we're changing these things, hoping something will click. Because we don't understand our calling, changing relationships, changing these things. But when we have a calling, when we understand it, helps us live our life on purpose, not just scattered all over the place. And that always leads to fruitfulness. I've shared before, if you didn't know, I've had a tough few years, uh, hitting sort of burnout, fatigue. And, uh, when I went on, um, a break, when I went on sabbatical, uh, you know, in all honesty, when I started on the break, I never wanted to come back and pastor again. It's like I, i'd I'd loved what I'd done for so long, that I'd done it too much. And I was out of energy, and I was out of perspective, and I didn't want to turn back up, but one of the turning points for me was in that time, and I remember it distinctly. I remember sitting in the caravan at the time on my own and having this conversation with God, and I remember very, very clearly me just going, well, if I don't do this, if I don't go back and do this, what would I do? And I remember just thinking about it and thinking about it and realise, no, I can't do anything else because I am called to do this. I'm called to do this. And then just changing that in my mind to go, accepting that calling again, being grateful for that calling, trusting that the energy would come back, that the wisdom would come back. It's a turning point when we can understand our calling. It energizes our lives. It keeps us going in our lives. I mean, we've been talking about some of purpose stuff with some of the curate business people recently, and it's amazing when people get God's purpose for them. I've seen business people get a second wind, you know, they've already made the money, they've already got the toys, they've already, and they can see them get despondent, why would I keep going, why would I keep having the stress and the struggle, but when they understand God's calling for business, and that God has called them there, it can be like, oh, things click into place again. But I've got friends who don't know Jesus who we would all look at and go, they have everything. They got all the money, they got all the opportunities, they got it all young and quick, all the things most people spend their whole life trying to aspire to and never reach to, they've got all that stuff. But when they don't have Jesus, when they don't have the understanding of calling and purpose, I can tell you they're empty. And so we need it. We need to understand it, because we're the people that know the guy who has it. And so we should... We need to wrestle with it and get it and be living from it. How do you know if you don't have it? That's sort of like my teaser for the whole series. It's like, how do you know if you're a New Zealand? How do you know if you grew up in New Zealand? Uh, when people say, "Put your hand up," you don't. Uh, when you walk into a room, you gravitate towards the back, not the front. Um, when the worship leader says, "Put up your hand," you think, "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> um, <laughs> Your default like colour in your wardrobe's black. Uh, these, these, this is how you know you. Well, these, this is my list for how do you know if you haven't yet, you know, got God's understanding of the calling for your life. These are sort of my like things, and hopefully this will just be like, oh yeah, I do have some more things to learn about this. How do you know if you don't yet fully get it? Well, life feels compartmentalised. Life feels compartmentalized. Like you got your work over here, your study over there, your family over there, your friends over there, your church friends over there. Then you got church here. You you know what I'm talking about, right? You've got all of these different compartments of your life and they don't feel like they're integrated in one picture. You feel like you're juggling between the different ones, that they're competing against each other. You feel like you're like spinning a plate here and okay, I've got that sort of going good. Oh no, this isn't going good. And, And you're sort of... When our lives compartmentalize, we don't understand our calling because our calling in God actually integrates our life. It doesn't compartmentalize our lives. It helps us see our life as one life under God, not many different lives and spheres. Lamentations 340 says this, let us take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. And I'm believing over these 12 weeks that actually as we understand our calling, it's going to help us reorder things so it feels like one life. God doesn't want you to spend your whole life juggling. He just wants you to live one great life with Him. It's going to have struggles, it's going to have challenges, but it can be a great life with Him. Our calling integrates our lives. Second way that you know if you don't fully get it yet, you dread Mondays. You dread Mondays. Maybe you don't feel like you're living in your calling if you're not in the perfect season or in the perfect job. I don't know if anybody ever feels that way. I remember feeling that way at one point in my life when I worked for Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stefan felt it too. So, Stefan is a good friend and one of the leaders here, he's on the board here at Curate, and he's one of the people that can say to me, no. You know, we all need people in our lives that can come and say to us, no, and we will actually listen. And I think I listen most of the time because being a great leader is first about being a great follower. But... Uh, he, he, I'm very thankful for his voice in my life. And when I worked with him, I, I was working one day a week in church, which I felt like was on the road to a part of my calling. And I was working four days a week with him on the building site. And I was trying my, I thought I was trying my best. It turns out I wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I was turning up early. I was trying to do the right thing. I was staying as long as we were supposed to stay. I, th- I thought I was trying to like learn the work and different things. But I have to be honest, in my mind, I really hated it. And I was like, God, why can't I just do this all of the time? Why do you have me doing this? Clearly that showed because one day Stefan sat me down. And uh, he said to me, oh, like you, you, you love that, right? You love that day a week you do at church. I was like, yeah, yeah, I love that. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And, and these four days, you just sort of, you don't love that. Right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't love that. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> um, and, and he was like, well, you see that as more important than this. But God doesn't see it that way. And just because something seems like it's more connected to your calling doesn't mean it's any less or more part of your calling. And what he challenged me about was about being faithful around the things that I didn't enjoy and around the season of life that God had me in. And it's actually learning to be faithful and learning to be formed in those seasons that prepares us for the things further ahead. And so if we're dreading Mondays when we're not in the perfect job or season, maybe we don't quite fully understand what God's calling means. Because in different seasons, it looks like different things. I'm, I'm no, I was no less in, the right, in my calling in that season of my life than I am now. It just looked very different. I was no less in the season than at Bible college. It just looked very different because I was where God wanted me to be right then. And so therefore, I was in the middle of my calling. And we need to understand these things. How do you know if you don't yet get it? You feel purposeless. You feel purposeless. Maybe there's transition, maybe there's change, maybe you just feel like there's nothing worth getting up for on a Monday morning and it's hard to drag yourself up and drag yourself around. You don't understand the point of it. shows that we don't understand our callings. Sometimes when things change, that that can be very normal because sometimes we're used to certain things that give us a sense of purpose, but they're taken away. Like when I went on sabbatical, for the first time in my adult life, I didn't have to like work for a couple of months and I got a lot of my sense of purpose and contributing to the world from doing this. And, And all of a sudden, I had a few months of not having to do this. And I'll be honest, like initially I was like, Oh my goodness, am I even any worth to anybody? Like it's like what's well, the pur- purpose? But then it didn't take long to realize, no no, I understand my calling better than this. I'm first and foremost the son of God. And in fact, I've got some more time to be better at that. And I I'm actually a husband. And I've got some time to live out that calling in my life. And I'm a father, and I've got time now to live out that calling in my life in ways that I haven't. And I'm a friend, and I've got time to live out that calling in my life. And I love learning, and I've got time to read more than other times in my life. And so to actually understand that our callings have these different depths and layers to them, if we're feeling purposeless, maybe we don't yet understand all the layers. Just because you're not in the perfect job doesn't mean you can't live fully in your calling. We need to understand that. Maybe you're not yet fully understanding it. your calling if you don't experience God in your family or in your work or in your recreation or wherever it is. If you don't experience God in every part of your life, you probably don't yet fully understand calling and living with God in every part of our lives. that so God's not just supposed to be experienced on Sunday or in the devotional time when we got the Bible out, or in the car when we got the worship music on. He's supposed to be experienced through everything we do in our lives. We're supposed to have the sense of living with him and living in relationship with him and and doing things with him and for him in those places. And so if you're not experiencing God in some of these pockets of your life, probably just goes goes to show we've got some growing and some understanding and some practicing to do to embrace our calling in all of these parts. Because it's so easy for people to look at somebody like me and go, well, it's easy for you to say, Joel, you're a pastor. Of course, you are called, but we are all called. My calling is not greater or lesser than anyone else's calling. It's just our calling and we've got to be faithful with it. It doesn't matter whether it's the boardroom or the building site or the classroom or wherever it is that we're called. It doesn't matter if it's a family or a season taking care of a family member. It doesn't matter what it is. If God has called us there, it is the right and valuable and perfect and holy calling that the Lord has for us. And so let's not be like, well, I'd I'd feel like I was living on purpose if I was doing what you're doing. No, no, no. Feel like you're living on purpose when you're doing what God wants you to be doing, where he has you. I love this. This is the model we're going to work through over the next few few weeks, over this series, because this is, I think, a great way to understand our calling. Most of us, when we say, I want to know my calling, we just, I want to know what's the perfect job for me. Um, that's going to mean that I don't have to work much. I get paid lots and feel a deep sense of purpose in it and I never have any challenges. Uh, that's what most people want to hear, I guess. Um, but actually, God wants to work in this model from the outside in, which is in our lives, is really from the inside out. God cares most about our life as a whole, not most about our job. He cares about who we're becoming. In fact, that's why our number one calling, it's like spoiler alert, is we are called to God. We're actually called to him, to be in relationship with him, to become like him. This is our fundamental calling. This is where it begins. Then we're actually called to good. Actually, our life will leave, if we live it well, a legacy of good, if you're a parent here, probably the biggest amount of good you'll leave behind is the children you raise. And that, that's such a holy, valuable calling. It's going to be the, the times we're generous, the people we helped, just this, the good works that we do in our lives. Like Jesus said, let your good works shine before men that they might glorify your, your Father in heaven. This is this is our calling. Just leave him behind. This good ministry. Every ministry just means to serve. It doesn't mean to work for church. Okay, the word ministry means service. We all have a special service that God allotted for us. Ephesians 2:10. God is creating us anew in Christ Jesus for the good works that He prepared for us to do since long ago. In fact, God has you born in this particular moment at the age you are at this particular moment in the place you are for a a reason. He knows what he's doing. He could have chosen to put you anywhere. Every day you should wake up and go, thank the Lord I was born in this era. It could have been any of those other horrible times over the last however many thousands of years, but God put you in the era of fridges of Uber Eats, of like, you know, just of, of aircraft and, uh, you know, you getting to see parts of the world that nobody ever got to see. It's just like every day we should be like, thank you, Lord, that I'm alive in 2022, because it's a lot better than just 22. Uh, you know, it's It's, it's awesome. But in our time, God actually has a specific ministry, probably multiple different assignments, different places, different people that he has called you to and to do something with. And he's got some stuff that maybe you need to earn some money. He, you know, that there's a calling for particular jobs. But here's what you'll find, is if you work from the outside in, all of a sudden you won't need the perfect job. Because you'll have such a life of calling and purpose that you'll be able to bring meaning to every job you find yourself in. Whereas I think the burden of this generation is we're putting the pressure of every one of those circles on our job to bring our lives meaning and purpose. But actually, God designed it to be a very different way. And I think He's going to set us free as we get that. It's going to take pressure off. All of a sudden, we're going to be able to do these ordinarily awesome jobs and just with a great, deep sense of purpose as we get it. It's not like, you know, kingdom jobs and then other jobs. There's just jobs. There's just all that's different in my life is that like my sort of ministry and job are one. That's it. We're going to work through that. It's going to be awesome. The Bible's filled with so many stories about people who have heard the call and responded. Abraham was called by God to a distant land to start a family and start a nation. Joseph was called to lead and save an entire empire. And in that, he saved his family and God's people. Moses was called to be a deliverer and a judge. Joshua was called to lead God's people into the promised land. He's sort of a, he was called to the military. Deborah was called to rescue Israel in a time when nobody else would step up and lead. David was called to be king. Jonah was called to preach to people he hated but he saw the great revival of the city of Nineveh and saw them all come to God. Jeremiah had a horrible calling. He was called to be a prophet but he was also told that nobody was ever going to listen to him. But he lived that calling out faithfully. Esther was called to save the people of God from genocide. And I love what it says in the book of Esther. Her her uncle Mordecai says to her, Perhaps you have been born for such a time as this. Perhaps you have been born for such a time as this. This isn't like ego, like, oh, I'm so important. It's God's purposes. Scott, you've been born for such a time as this. Somebody's life relies on you. Some family relies on you. Some good relies on you. God didn't create spectator Christians. He just, he created, I was talking about it with someone this morning and he's talking about the verse that says, um, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send workers into the field. The transition people struggle to make is that we start as harvest, but we're supposed to become workers. I was once a harvest, now I'm a worker of the harvest. God wants all of us to actually live our lives with a sense of like somebody that he can send to the field of this world. Somebody he can send to the field of that school. Somebody he can send to the field of that family, the field of that need. The field of that workplace for such a time as this. And he's wanting us to take our calling seriously, to live our lives on purpose, to not get, you know, the, the great tragedy, the great tragedy is there's young people who don't know that they have purpose. And then there's the great tragedy of there's older people that you used to have so much purpose, but you let it get distracted and diluted just getting by and trying to get through life. Life beat it out of you. But we're supposed to live on purpose and God wants to restore and wants to bring purpose to us in this season. Mary was called to be the mother of Jesus. Jesus called his disciples to him. Paul, man, he was, he was killing Christians and then Jesus turned up in his life and called him to go and take the message of Jesus where it had not yet gone. And God hasn't stopped calling people. The Bible might be full of calling stories, but there's way more people being called now than there ever were in these scriptures. God's calling people to himself. He's calling us to become his apprentices, to become his worshipers. And he's calling us to be a part of his mission in redeeming all things in this world. I want you to understand, we have this image that God's going to come back one day and he's going to take us somewhere else. He's not. Heaven is a renewed earth. God's going to come back and he's going to finish the work that we are partnered with him right now in redeeming all things. And that's why our lives matter. That's why our families matter. That's why our work matters. That's why our churches matter. That's why our lives matter. Because God's inviting them into partnership with the work that he is doing now and he will bring to completion on his return. So we're going to explore all of this. And I just wanted us to take the posture of Samuel that's discussed in First Samuel chapter 3 as we head into this, into this, um, into this series. First Samuel chapter 3, it says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, who was the older priest. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. I'm thankful we don't live in those days. And you might be thinking in my life feels like the word of the Lord's rare." That's changing because we live in the time where he's pouring out vision and dreams on his people, where his spirit is poured out. And at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, he was lying down in his own place. It's nighttime. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, where the presence of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel, 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 I don't know what it sounds like, Samuel. And he said, here I am. He's like wakes up and he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And Eli said, I did not call you. Like, why'd you wake me up? Lie down again. So he went and lay down and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me You woke me up again. I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He hadn't learned how to hear it or perceive it. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, Lord, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. I love that. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, quick. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Imagine how excited he would have been. I get what's happening now. And the Lord, so kind, calls a fourth time. Some of us, he's calling a fourth time. Let's not make him call a fifth. And the Lord came and stood calling as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant, his. And then the Lord said to Samuel, and the story goes on. Over these next few weeks, what if we could take the posture of Samuel towards the Lord, towards our callings, and go, God, I don't know what you have for me, but I know I can trust it. God, I don't know what you said. Or God, I don't know what you're saying. Or God, I don't know which ones of those old dreams were from me, or which ones are from you. Would you help me figure them out? But God... Would you speak because your servants are listening? Could you imagine if God spoke over this next little while to every single one of us and we got something clearer about our calling, how much life and purpose and joy and aim that would bring to our lives? That is what's going to happen. Let's take this posture.